Hey, I'm Kim Short, and it's time to get your podcast on. Welcome to What Led Her Here, exploring the defining experiences of women's lives. My guest today is the vivacious Daniel Rayom. Danny and I met at a mutual friend's home a few years ago, and I instantly loved her energy and authenticity. Danny is a relationship and confidence coach who works with women to help them achieve fulfillment in their lives, both personally and professionally. She and I reconnected at a pre-COVID event last winter, and I knew I wanted to have her here to share her story. So I'm thrilled we can finally have the chance to sit down face to face today and chat. Welcome, Danny. Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to be here. You used to live what you called a quote checklist life. So tell us what that means. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm such a story within a story kind of girl. So um, I really believe in my late teens and early 20s, I wasn't even aware of the checklist life or what that looked like. It was somewhere within my early to mid 20s that I found I was seeing the outside factors. I was seeing what friends and family Um, and society was deeming like the next steps in life. And it was something that I think was just unconsciously spoken in, again, larger extended family settings, like go to school, um, get a good education, get a, you know, job that pays the benefits, pays the bills and that you can, you know, retire on, Um, you know, find a good partner, get married, have kids, you know, pay your bills and and that's it. And die. (laughs) And die. Yeah, I, I wanted to say that, but yeah, exactly. Right. Like, that's just what was ingrained at that unconscious level and um, certain standards of perfection. And like, you know, maybe that word wasn't used, but like, you know, like having to reach a certain spectrum and it had to be like top notch. It couldn't be um, so, so, or, you know, like failure wasn't a thing. You didn't fail at stuff. You know, you had to keep trying and keep going. And um, so it really felt like I had to, prescribe to what everybody else wanted for me. And then I unconsciously just found myself going through life, um, looking for those next merits that I could say, okay, I reached this point now on to the next one without giving it any intentional thought behind what specifically at that milestone did I want and what did I want that to look like? And it was more about the check mark than the actual substance. Of right, it. right. And then, so not the fulfillment, not yeah. the meaning, just the actual going through the motions kind of a thing. Exactly. Like, and interestingly enough, what, now that I look back all of my twenties, I was searching for that career that I loved because I had started out in hospitality and I had some big dreams, um, at the time. And some of them just like things weren't coming together the way that I thought they were. And I found myself in places where I was like, this isn't what I had pictured it would look like, you know? And continuing to thrive to find that thing. And then it was like my late 20s that I found work as a wedding and event planner. And that had been the big dream and the big goal for me. And I'll never forget, I was going out to celebrate that I had just landed this dream job. And I had gone out to like out with friends and I had met some people there and they had said like, you know, casual conversation, get to know kind of thing. And they had asked me like, oh, where do you work? What kind of work do you do? And I shared like the new job and the company that I was working for. And I remember they had no idea what the company was. And it felt a little bit deflating because it was almost like, you know, you see that in society sometimes where people are chasing the title and they're chasing like the certain external things 
And even to the extent that at the time wanting a stranger to recognize what the company was, what the position was, and that like I had made it, but it didn't really matter now that I know what I know. It didn't matter what the external forces thought of the career or the, you know, company or if they knew it or not, it was what it had fulfilled for me, you know, like that was what was most important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a really good thing to come to. So, Mm -hmm. so at that point you had the career, the dream job. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And so what else did your life look like at that point in your twenties? Yeah. So, okay. And so then at the same time, like my late twenties, I've been seeing all my friends, um, getting, you know, married, having kids, moving in with their partners. And I had always had very short term relationships because I was really looking for a certain type of person. But then I was also kind of protecting my heart because I didn't want to get hurt after some early heartbreak earlier on in life. And so I find myself in my late 20s and I had reconnected with a an ex from college days and he came back into my life and he even had the checklist stuff like he was, you know, that much, I'm going to say, quote unquote, above without meaning it in a in a like stature kind of way, but he had just had more going for him than the men that I had dated previously. And I was like, oh, he has a good job. You know, he supports himself. He's invested and like he has external hobbies and stuff. So those are all great checking those off. Right. Again, at the time, not really knowing what I know now, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, but yeah, so to be honest with you, the train left the station, like we started dating and it was like a full steam ahead you know, getting, uh, buying a house six months into our relationship and getting the dog and the white picket fence, so to speak. And we were even engaged to be married. And so this all happened within a three year period of us being together. And I remember, you know, uh, you preferably say I woke up one day, but it had been months and months building, but I realized that I had lost that like for life and that you know, spunk and that passion that I had always had. And I found that I had gotten to a point in my career. I'm now five years in my career. And I just felt like everything was coming to a halt. And I felt like I was on this hamster wheel and I was just stuck and I didn't know how to get off or how to get, you know, off that train too, that was going full steam ahead. And I, I just, I remember I watched a Ted talk randomly and you know how these things just kind of come to you like little pebbles, right? Like these little signs and stuff. And I remember watching this TED talk and seeing this gentleman so excited about life and passionate and about all the possibilities. And I remembered thinking like, oh, I feel like I used to have that kind of zest for life. And where did it go? And um, it was, you know, within kind of a couple month time frame from seeing that TED talk that I started to just evaluate my life and like, you know, how much of the career that I had always longed for, how much of it did I love? And I realized I loved about 40% of it and 60% of it was like, you know, sucking out my soul. Like it was just not like thriving anymore. And it was like having to reevaluate why did I get in this in the first place? Is it still bringing me joy? Because I think sometimes, um, you know, maybe the listeners can relate. We go through life in such a kind of with our blinders on, right? Like, and this is just the thing and it's paying the bills and it's doing the things and we had always wanted it. So we've got to keep focused on this. And then we can sometimes lose track of the fact that we are allowed to want what we want and have what we want. And that's allowed to change. And I think so often I keep coming back to this, that like, we think that it has to be black or white, right or wrong, left or right. And it's like, no, there's so much in between the gray matter, right? What's in between that space that's also possible. And I think so many times I put myself in those boxes because that's what the checklist said, 
right? Yeah. And then it was like, oh no, there are alternatives. There's other ways of doing things. And like um, we've chatted before, I think a big piece to take away, and I'm just kind of like weaving this story in all the places right now. Yeah, go for it. Um, But I think too, it's like I got caught up in what the timeline of society looked like. So again, like, well, I couldn't be 30 and not be at least engaged to be married, right? Like we all have these timelines. I think back when I was a kid, I thought by 25, I'd be said and done, you know, kids, marriage, all the things. And now here I am and I was approaching 30 and we had just gotten engaged. I would have been married by 31. And you start to think, did I do something wrong? And you start to take on all this pressure and, you know, is there something wrong with me? Because these are the timelines, not to mention what I was getting at a second ago is that I found this point in my life where I was unhappy and I realized I was very unhappy in the relationship as well. So now we're six months out till the wedding day. We've been together for three years. We're building this future together of what I thought I wanted. And now all of a sudden the timelines of society aren't even mattering to me anymore, to be honest. I'm going, okay, I thought it was that way, but it was like I had this awakening and epiphany to go, oh wait, I get to change that like at any given time if it's not right for me anymore. And that's exactly what happened. So I had a lot of great support from family and friends. And to be honest, when I had the conversation with my partner to say, you know, I'm not um, happy in this. And I think that you're a great person. I'm a great person. I just don't think we have that together. It was one of the hardest conversations, but it was also one of the healthiest conversations we ever had. And it really, um, it allowed me to speak my truth and choose myself for the first time in my life, really yeah. like on a big level like that. Yeah. That's amazing. And I totally can relate. And I'm sure that our listeners can totally relate to those societal pressures, those societal timelines that they're unspoken or maybe sometimes they're spoken, but they are there and you know it. I don't know exactly where they come from, but mm. I get it. Let's call BS on that, yeah. right? Like- well, and I think you're, you were to have that self-awareness and the guts, quite frankly, to at that point, especially like you said, everything's approaching, like wedding day is within sight. And to be able to be like, no, this is not at all fulfilling to me. It's not feeling right. It's not sitting well. And to just say, fuck it. Like we need to fix this and, mm-hmm. and figure and look out at it. Differently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there was totally that time of like, okay, now that I've brought to the surface, how I'm feeling, we had conversations, we were able to see if there was anything that would, you know, bring us together and, you know, worked with a counselor a couple of times and things, but you know, when, you know, like you're, you're kind of like at that point, but I was willing to have some conversations and see. Right. And then from that day forward, it's, it's interesting. I remembered thinking, okay, well I could go into this marriage and like have an okay life with this person, you know, and again, all the boxes would probably be checked, but would I really be happy? Or I could be on my own, potentially not find that fairy tale love that I always believed was possible and know that either way I was okay because I like, you know, would do the work to be in love with myself and like follow that part of my journey. And, um, like that was the risk that you just took. It's interesting. I find, and this happens with clients and in all different areas of life with friends and stuff that like, you just get to a point where like enough is enough for you. And like, you're all in to whatever it is that you want next for yourself. And I find sometimes there can be that limbo 
where we're like, oh, I don't know. It's like you put one foot in front and then you take one step back and it's like you're still kind of not sure of maybe a, a next decision you're going to make for your career or again in a relationship or, you know, some side business you're going to start. But I, I do believe you get to a point where it's just like, well, like this is just it. Like I've got to do this for me. And, and I think that that's what it comes down to is choosing yourself and what's going to make you happy. Cause I spent many a years and it's a, it's a continual, um, unlearning of the people pleasing. And I, I really, when I look back to seeing that, like, oh, there was so much with, you know, my dad passed away when I was 20. So there was a lot of like, well, am I making dad happy? Even though he wasn't here to tell me, right. But wanting to ensure, you know, because that was important to me. And, um, and, you know, knowing that my mom had certain views of how she wanted to um, see me succeed in life. Right. And it, I remember, too, so quickly after my partner ex and I split up, we went our separate ways. I knew I wanted to live fully on my own and have that independence. And I wanted to travel internationally. And I know if it were um left to the people pleasing and wanting everybody to like agree with my decisions. I never would have gone and done that. Now sitting here today, I can say I traveled to seven different countries in Southeast Asia, um, partially on my own, partially with new groups of friends and just like lived life to the fullest, which I continue to do even now that I'm back in Canada. And I don't think I would have done it if I was relying on somebody being able to come with me or with what I thought others wanted for me. And I think that's the cool thing too, that I I find has been a pattern for me. And that I love to support other women in too, is that it can be hard when what you truly want isn't what other family members or friends are doing or want for themselves. And it's different from the status quo. It's different from the checklist. It's different from what you've been raised or how you've known to live your life. But I think that's also a key that it's really for you if it is that different. And I, I know that it was so important for me. And I find when you make that decision, you step into yourself and you step into what you really want. You start attracting the people, the opportunities, the resources, and the support to have that dream or that vision come true. And that's exactly what happened with Southeast Asia and some other things. Like as soon as I decided I wanted it, I met people that had also left engagements and I had never known anybody like that before because, and here's the thing going back quickly is like, it wasn't like there was infidelity. There wasn't like hardcore physical abuse. Like there wasn't these seeming things that on TV or in society said that deemed leaving a relationship, which made it even harder at the time to, to step away from that. And I think that that was, so there's another example of how that wasn't the picture for me. So how could I possibly be choosing that like different, you know, track to leave that when everybody else just wanted that, you know? Yeah. I think what you just said is really, really important. And I want to just emphasize that because I think there are probably people listening who are going along, like you said, full steam ahead, or maybe not full steam anymore. Maybe it's just like, <laughs> la, da, 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 da. <laughs> but who are going along in that situation that they've been in for years because that's what they think they should do. And that's what society is dictating. It's checking those boxes, right? They're in their little comfy, comfy mm-hmm. comfort zone. Um, and there's not that 
big thing that society says, oh, well, if he cheated, yeah, you, mm-hmm. you, you're, it, it's warranted that you leave. Or, you know, if there's abuse, then yeah, absolutely. Then, then you go ahead. But, you know, you know, some people might look at a relationship and think, well, you look so happy. Like, why would you, mm-hmm. why would you make another choice or, or career or whatever the case is? Right. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, it's everything you ever wanted, or it's, you know, whatever to, to society totally. standards. And I think, you know, keeping in mind that it doesn't have to be some major event. No. If it's not feeling right, take a look at it, right? It's worth exactly. taking a look at it. It's worth your own happiness and it's worth your own fulfillment to take a look at what is gnawing at you. Yes. Like, right. Cause it's like, starts as a little whisper. Dude, right? I was just thinking that. <laughs> yes. And I hear it like the, the pebble and then the rock, like that boulder is going to come down if you're not yeah. like really taking the next step to change and do something different. Yeah. Like, yeah, these signs are coming at yeah. you. But think of how many people ignore it. <laughs> right? The settling, the settling, Settling. this like, it's just like one of my biggest passions is like, let's stop settling people in all areas of your life. Because again, you want mediocre, like why, what for, you know, and I'm not going to say that choosing your desires and your dreams and going on that unknown path doesn't have its bumps and it's, you know, struggles sometimes and hurdles. But when you have the tools, the support and the resources, it can be a lot more painless and a lot more fulfilling and you know what your end goal is and that you're connected to that at your core and in your soul and and at that deeper level and that's what continues pulling you through to that you know and I I think you know just for me my humble opinion is that the mediocrity I think I just I think that that's where things just continue to pull the life out of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say die. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like that sounds yeah. morbid and stuff, right? No, but, like, but it's, there's studies done that show that even things like positivity versus negativity and, um, you know, couples that are like growing old and like they, they show the ones that like have been so geared towards a negative aspect of life or focus versus the ones that have the healthy relationships, not just their partner, but like other people around them. Um, versus ones that don't have a lot of relationships and are kind of to themselves and like don't have a lot that bring them life, then yeah, you're going to have different outcomes. And that's when like illness and all that kind of stuff can further come in as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, it's worth, if you're hearing that whisper or if it Mm -hmm. has progressed into a scream or a a boulder dropping on your head, (laughs) it's worth looking at what is calling you in your life. Right. And just to ask yourself, am I fulfilled? Is this path that I'm on something that I'm going to look back on when I'm 90 and say like, damn, I lived. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, you know, I think like just for the listeners too to say, so yeah, so that, you know, did the Southeast Asia thing felt so empowered, um, had that huge revelation even there realizing like, I have to start from here on out or even just before going, like, it's all about choosing me. And like, obviously you have people in your life and like these loving relationships at the end of the day, the people that are your true supporters will support your decisions because they want what's best for you. And it was like, from that day forward, I had to keep choosing me and going towards what I wanted. And I couldn't live for my dad. Who's not here anymore. I couldn't live for what my mom wanted for me. Like I had to start living fully for me. And that trip was the first step. And then when I got back to Canada, I just like had to do multiple sources of income because the work that I was in at the time was just like previous was just 
not um, for me. And like, that's the other thing. There's always different ways to do things. So the multiple sources of income where you had like two or three different things that fit into your schedule, again, was not something I'd ever seen modeled for me or that I thought was possible, but it brought me so much joy as I got trained to be the coach that I am today and in the business world that I'm in and just continuing to do hobbies and things that lit me up. And I tried new things and it was scary as all hell often. Uh, but after, like if I would go into a public speaking event or I, you know, threw down in a lip sync battle, like there were moments of fear and nerves, but afterwards you just felt like a million bucks because you did the thing that was scary and you yes, succeeded. And that's yes. what confidence building is. Totally. I totally get that. I think that is one of the most important lessons in life is to get the hell out of that comfort zone and do scary things. Because like you said, that builds confidence and it can spill over into all parts of your life, Mm -hmm. right? Exactly. And yeah. And then, yeah, like I was on that same path towards um, finding that, I say fairy tale love and reality, because I believe that's true. I've always believed that was true. And I did my own personal work with a coach um, to undo a lot of the old patterns, because now that I know what I know, also in relationships, sometimes, yes, it could be like, okay, this is done, got to move forward. But it could also be that there are old patterned in beliefs and limiting beliefs and old experiences that are now coming into these new relationships with you, because if they haven't been worked through and resolved, like at a core they're going to continue to perpetuate that same pattern where like, oh, I choose the wrong guys all the time or the guys that can't commit or whatever. And I've had my own version of that. So once I had done all the work to reduce that and I took some risks too, I asked out a couple of guys that I was like worried, you know, would they say yes or are they even in a relationship or what does that look like? But again, back to the confidence thing, I wouldn't have known if I didn't try. And even if I got the, oh, actually I'm in a relationship, but thanks, I'm flattered thing. Well, at least I took that step and I put myself out there And then now here I am two and a bit years later, I'm living with um, the most ideal, healthy, communicative partner that I've ever had more than I could have dreamed of. And we're building our lives together and I get to be my independent self. And then we also have this interdependence with each other. And, you know, that just in a nutshell was a big, huge goal of mine to, to meet somebody that I could share my life with, not somebody that I needed, somebody that I wanted to share my life with. Yeah. I love that. So he, in a way, checks new boxes for you. Oh, thank you for bringing that up. Boxes that you have set for yourself that make sense for you and fulfill you. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up. And here's a (laughs) tangible, even for the listeners, something I did, I, you know, stepping into my woo woo a little bit here. Like I literally wrote pages, like four or five pages of everything I wanted in a partner from physical to mental, emotional, financial, career wise. And I got crystal clear and it was no longer that they had hobbies or that they had a job. Like it was much deeper to like the ways that they treated me, the ways that we felt about each other, um, how we wanted to live our lives and like, like goals and values and beliefs. So that like next level, and don't get me wrong, that surface level checklist stuff is important. Absolutely. But watch the power of manifestation that comes from digging deeper into those core values and beliefs. And of course, I had to figure that out for myself before I could articulate it for this, you know, person that I would attract into my life. But yes, he checks all of those boxes and then some and like it's it's just such a more 
it's such a deeper relationship. And I think I had to meet myself at those depths before I could attract a partner that had a met himself at those depths. And then that I could like receive into my life because, Hey, it was scary at times. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Right. Yeah. Um, but it was fucking worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That's so great. So what's next for you? What excites you about the future? I love that question. And I'm so excited. Like I have to say first, I'm just excited for possibility and all the potential. Um, and I will give some tangible, um, specifics in a second, but I think that's the most exciting part about the journey and where I've come from and where I am now is that there's the excitement. There's of course drive and passion. And there's a bit of a bit more of that surrender and letting go to allow for some surprise because one thing that I'm also recovering from is that control and the perfection. So I find when I can be excited about what I want to create and like let go and allow whatever is going to happen, happen, then it can be even bigger than I could imagine it. And I found myself trying to, um, not even trying to, you don't do this consciously, but like, again, I, I think I said at the beginning of the podcast, like being a bit narrow focused sometimes, which I think we do need to an extent And then also being open to those uh, other things to enhance the dreams and enhance that. So where I see uh, myself and like the future going, I've really realized lately that I love my coaching business and that component. And I really am now um, in creation mode for some outlets of mine, the ways I feel expressed in writing and maybe in some, you know, um, other ways where I can express myself and it'll be, you know, for pure fun and joy and, um, you know, to soothe my soul. And then of course, to like bring it to my community and, um, to give back and to serve and just continue tapping into these kinds of messages. And then, um, even with my partner, I'm just, so excited to build on our future together and co-create with that and talking about some next steps for us and what that looks like. And even one of these creative projects he'll be involved in as well. So just super excited for all that. Yeah, that's great. And I can totally relate to that control factor. Uh, Mm. That is so something I still struggle with (laughs) getting better, but like, and that perfectionism thing and really focusing on letting that go. I can so relate And I think what you said about just, you know, opening yourself up to the unknown is so, it can be a little bit scary, but it can also be so wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I think that is such a great piece of advice. Thanks. Awesome. Yeah. Just so true. So are you ready for the final five? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So these are five questions I ask of every guest. And the first one is, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh my gosh, that's such a great question. I feel like it would be like something to do with time, like being able to freeze some moments so that I could go back. When I go back to them, I could feel exactly how I felt in those really high inspiring moments. And then a little bit of back in time, like, you know, to see like a past family member or something like that. Yeah. So something related to time, because I feel like time is the hottest commodity, right? You hear it all the time. It's not money. It's not this, that but time. Yeah. So that would be it for me. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, when you were a kid, what did you think it'd be when you grew up? Yeah, I definitely had a couple of different things. I, I always used to carry my mom's briefcase around and I thought maybe I'd be a lawyer. Um, I even like had thoughts of being a waitress and things like that. Like I had, I was always that like kid with multiple ideas and it's reigning true for me in adulthood too. (laughs) But that lawyer thing, I give you credit if you're a lawyer out there listening, but it was too much school for me. (laughs) (laughs) 
If if it were your last day on earth, what would your final meal be? Would I be allowed to have like a little mixture of everything? Because that would be my style. Like a little bit of sushi, um, a little bit of pizza. Yeah, like a little mixture. Pizza is a very popular answer is it? on what led yeah. here. That's <laughs> it was my, it's my personal answer. Dude, love it. Yeah. <laughs> Who is a woman in history or present day you admire? Mm. The first person that came to my mind was my mom. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Just, and why is that? Um, you know, she she's just like the most kind, genuine, generous person that I've ever met and always thinking of others and, and putting others first. And also, um, always chased her dreams and like went for what she wanted and, and continued to, to pursue all that she wanted to fulfill in her career. Awesome. Yeah. And last but not least, what is your favorite quote? It's a bit of a long one. So just bear with me here as I read it. Yeah, go for it. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We are born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. And again, that's Marianne Williamson. Oh, I like that a lot. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Thanks for asking and thanks for having me. This is amazing. This is great. And I really am so excited for everyone to hear your really powerful message. So thank Mm, you. Thank you. Thank you. 